Welcome to A Voice for Creators. I'm your host, Daniel Norton. In this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about fear of change. So I might be going out on a limb here, but I think most creators or artists are actually in search of change. And you might think, well, well, hold on, what? And what I mean by that is what inspires us to get going as artists or creators is we see something that inspires us, but it's not exactly what we want. Because if it was, then we would just look at that painting or look at that photo or watch that YouTube video, right? But instead we look at it and we say, I'm going to do something because I want something different. That something different is you, right? So that's the change I talk about. We're constantly looking for that. But as we get going and as we find success, usually we tend to change less and less because we're trying this, trying that. This works. Ooh, success. This works. This gets us likes. This gets us money. All of a sudden, we start to narrow our view. And when we've been doing this for a while, our view can become very narrow. Of course, this can relate to style, which we talk about a lot here. This seems to be a major theme in this podcast, so much so that I'm actually putting together an online course about developing your own style to help people do that. But that's in the early stages, so I'm not going to talk about it too much here. If you are interested in that, though, reach out to me. My email is in the show notes, and we can get you on the list for when that happens. But back to the main topic. As I say, when we are creators, we are making change. That's basically what creation is. Something has to change in order for you to create something new. But we do start to find ourselves going down these paths, and it can be tricky to make a leap, right? We see something that seems like it might have potential, but it's so far out of what we're doing that it's like, ooh, that's a major risk. I might fail. I don't have the resources. I'm not here. So you just leave it be. And then a few years go by and you look back and you're like, man, I kind of wish I had done that. This is <laughs> this is almost the opposite of the fear of missing out, right? This is the, well, I don't know if I should change because this is working for me right now. This is paying my rent. I see other people are doing this, but this is working for me, so I shouldn't change. And I'm not saying that we should just automatically change whenever something new comes along, because there's plenty of stuff that we don't want to do or we shouldn't get involved in because, you know, things are always happening. People are always testing the water. New trends come in and go. But we do want to keep ourselves open to this. And really, how can we do this? That's what I want to talk about. So like I said, we are the bringers of change as creators. But oftentimes, once we get into our path, we see change and we're, you know, that old man sitting on the front porch yelling, our kids these days, Instead of looking at it and saying, maybe this is something we can embrace. I've talked about this before. When I came into photography back in the day, uh, people were complaining that young photographers were using print film. It was too easy. We used to use slide film. And then you get the one generation older photographer going, saying, well, no, no, but we had to use Kodachrome and that was even harder. And then print photographers like me were going, oh, these kids with digital, right? And now it's like, well, a million frames per second and they can do this. So <laughs> we're always looking at these new things like, oh, they didn't have it as hard as us. And we really shouldn't be doing that. What we should be doing is looking at it and going, that's awesome. There's more ways for people to create, more people can create. But, you know, there's always that little bit of, hmm. So how can we get ourselves into that right mindset? I think part of it comes down to widening versus narrowing our description of what we do. I often talk about if you want to be a photographer, you got to say, I'm a photographer. That's something you have to be the photographer. But we start to really categorize ourselves by the work we do. And we might say, well, you know, I'm a fashion photographer or a portrait photographer. So somebody contacts you and they say, hey, I've got this job. I want you to go uh, photograph this resort. 
and you say, well, I'm a portrait photographer. I don't do that. Or somebody says, photograph this food. And now I'm not saying you should do things that are outside of your comfort zone, although you probably should, just not for money necessarily up front, right? Make sure you do a good job always. That goes without saying. But if we, instead of thinking of ourselves as a very specific photographer, and even more so, and I've talked about this before, I'm a Sony guy. I'm a Canon guy. I'm, I use Adobe products. I use these lights. I'm a Godox. I'm a Profoto. I'm a Dynalite. Is Dynalite still around? You know, as you start to narrow yourselves into this, you say, well, you know, I am a softbox guy. I'm an umbrella guy. I'm a beauty dish guy. Basically, and people do this. I mean, this is not, if you recognize yourself here, you know, let me know or maybe keep it secret. But, you know, people fall into these trends. And this is why I often talk about technique is not style. People start thinking, well, my style is I always use a beauty dish. No, that's not your style. My style is I always underexpose the sky. No, that's not your style. But again, that style is a whole other topic, which, like I said, I'm building a course for. But let's stay focused on this. What we're looking at here is the idea that we're being too narrow with our descriptions. Instead of I'm a photographer that photographs portraits, it's I'm a photographer, which means that when something new happens in the photography market, we can adapt. You're not just a Nikon guy, so you can't try this camera because, oh, God forbid that I should try some upstart you know, camera or some third-party lens or whatever because somehow that's so linked to your personality and who you are. What we've got to do is go beyond that and think, I'm a photographer. I am a visual artist. I create with light. So that also includes things like possibly digital art or video. These things that were, and of course, younger people listening to this right now are like, well, yeah, of course. But, you know, 10 years ago, there was plenty of photographers that were like, I will never shoot video. Now I find it hard to find any that don't at least shoot a little bit, right? Because that became part of what photography was. Those who learned it early on and made it part of their business and part of their style are doing better now than those are who are racing to keep up where it's like, oh, my client, you know, they want this video stuff and they really want somebody who can do both and I don't want to lose my clients. Now I have to learn video. But if early on you hadn't been like, oh, I'm a photographer, forget about that video, you'd know that stuff. This is partially inspired by Mark who wrote an email to me who was talking about AI and like different parts of AI and how I focus is AI, as well as these building of these fake photos and stuff. And right, AI is one of those things where people are, there's, I see people online now uh, talking about, you know, refusing to use AI art, this kind of stuff in their publications, because for whatever reasons, <laughs> there's lots of probably legal and other ramifications to it, but not using AI art right now is one thing. Rejecting it as something you shouldn't even look at is another. And I think this is where we have to be smart. We have to look at new things coming into the industry. And I joke about this all the time that when I was younger, somebody, a photographer I worked for, got an inkjet printer. And this was relatively new technology. And they were like, I'm printing my photos on inkjet. And, you know, you looked at it and it was like, oh, God, like compared to <laughs> compared to a real photo, it didn't look good. It was amazing compared to, let's say, a laser printer on regular paper, but it was not that good. And I remember saying to myself, oh, I would never use inkjet photos in, you know, in my portfolio. Well, jump forward five or six years, and of course I had a large you know, $1,500 or whatever it costs inkjet printer, and I'm printing all these because the technology shifted. And me completely rejecting it at first, luckily I got on before it was too, well, it can never be too late, but you know what I'm saying? Luckily, I got on board. I was only rejected for a minute. But the reality was the technology was there. I should have been paying attention because it's in my wheelhouse of photography. So if you are an artist 
whether it be a musician or a writer, photographer, a videographer, uh, an illustrator, when you see these new things coming around, these trends, these new apps, these new technologies, these new types of cameras, it's a good idea to not just outright reject them. Because if we widen our scope and say, we are a photographer, not just a fashion photographer, and then we widen our scope and say, we are a visual artist, not just a photographer, and then we widen our scope, we just say, we are a creator. And you see that those steps, and I'm not saying that you do it one one day, one the next day, over time, right? This is where I come from. I was a fashion photographer. I would have defined myself, well, people would have defined me as a fashion photographer for many, many years. Then I realized, you know, I'm a photographer. I also love to take portraits. I love to create other things. So I'm more than that. Then I started looking into video and other things. I became a visual artist. I create with, with light. I create things for people to look at. And by the way, my actual college degree is in visual art. So it's kind of funny. And eventually I started to define myself as a creator. This has allowed me to stay relevant, I think, in the market and change with it. Could I have stuck with just shooting fashion? Sure. Would I have had some of the amazing opportunities I've had? No, I wouldn't have. Whether or not I'd even still be shooting, who knows, right? Because markets are fickle. If you limit yourself to one thing, it's going to be tricky. I read this quote the other day, I can't remember where I saw it, where they talked about, they said, if you are a book publisher, every problem looks like a problem that needs a book. <laughs> and that's not always the case, right? If you're a photographer, every problem looks like a problem that requires photography, where it might actually require video or mixed media. There's so many options to us. We need to expand. And if you're very focused right now on just photographer, I'm not saying jump out there and just say creator. What I am saying is, Maybe expand your range, try different types of photography, maybe try a motion picture video for the kids and see how that works with you. So I've got a couple of examples. One that's a direct example of somebody I know, and another example is more of a, a wide example to show you how things change. Okay, so one of my studio mates was a fashion photographer in like the 80s. So when I was just a baby, right? He was a fashion photographer. And now he does resorts and he does food primarily. And you might say, well, how the heck do you get from fashion to that? And he's doing some video now. Well, what happened was he was working as a fashion photographer and somebody liked his work and they presented to him, hey, can you come shoot this thing for this resort? And instead of saying, no, I shoot fashion. I don't do that. He thought to himself, can I do this job? Will I do a good job at it? And he answered yes. And he went and he did the job and he did do a good job at it. And then he got another job like that. And then he got another job like that. It turns out he really liked doing that. And as part of the resort jobs, he wasn't just shooting beautiful models posing in the rooms and stuff. He was shooting food. He was shooting interiors. He was shooting landscapes, expanding his horizons. And through this, he realized he really liked shooting food, to which he did more and more commercial food photography. And now that's a big part of his business. So because he wasn't just I'm a fashion photographer, but instead he was open to whatever happened. He is now somebody who does a lot of different projects. So by not being so focused on, I'm only a fashion photographer and rejecting all their other jobs, he was able to actually shape and shift his career to where it is today. This has nothing to do with me, but I was just watching something about this and it's that time of year. If somebody, uh, if you guys follow my Patreon, a link in the show notes, uh, you know, I post sometimes pictures in there, like private pictures, if you will. And I was shopping and I saw the General Mills uh, Halloween cereals. So these, if you don't know, if you're, if you're not in the U.S., maybe you don't have them other places. I don't know, actually. They have these series of cereals. I guess they come out in the 60s, really. 
uh, and they have like monsters on them, like Count Chocula, Frankenberry. And these cereals, when I was a kid in the 80s, were just regular cereals. They were always available. There was tons of cereal available. You know, those kind of cereals, what my, what my mom used to call sugar cereal. And they were very popular. But I was just watching something on them because I noticed that they only come out once in a while. That at a certain point, General Mills decided, they looked at the market and they saw how the cereal market changed. And it wasn't the same as it used to be. And people, kids weren't pounding tons of sugar cereal every Saturday morning watching cartoons. And they realized that they could sell this better by shifting to the market and taking them off the shelves, except during the season. And we see this with a lot of things. We see this with most, most joked about here, I think would be pumpkin spice. It's something that is, if you put pumpkin spice coffee available or pumpkin spice, whatever available all the time, it probably wouldn't have the, the blowups and trends that it has in the fall when it's only available by making something limited, by changing your focus, by not saying what's well, coffee, it should just always be available by saying it's only available these at times. You make it something special. You make it something different. You're adapting to the market. And that's what we have to do as creators. We have to look at the services or the art or whatever we create and say, how can we best distribute this to work with what today's world is like? Not what it was like when we first started, not what we hope it is would be like, not even necessarily what we think it'll be in the future, although obviously we have to be looking to the future, but rather look at things and say, what will work the best for us and adjust to it. Don't look at the change as, oh, this is terrible, but rather this is an opportunity. Okay, so back around to photography again, I'm just going to finish up by saying that I'm not saying that you should jump on every trend and I'm not saying that you should avoid every trend. What I'm saying is let's be more open. Instead of narrowing our worldview by saying I'm a X photographer, whatever it might be, start to open up your mind to it. Don't make giant jumps. Don't go from I only shoot people photography to now I'm doing a food video, right? Like that would be a complete jump, but maybe do add a little video to your, your people photography, or maybe add a little bit of food to your photography. And then you can eventually spread out little by little to move into these different areas and it will feel very seamless and you won't have that sudden jolt. I would love to hear your stories about this kind of stuff. If you want to reach out to the show, you can email me at a voice at dnphoto.com. You can attach a voice message and I'll play it here on the show, or you can send me an email and I'll read it or, you know, summarize it as I've done in the past. The other thing I love to read is reviews. If you have not yet, please jump onto your favorite podcatcher and give the show five stars as well as write a review. And here's one now from Pat. Advice. Five stars. I'm always thankful when I find gems like this podcast. I don't have a strong art slash photography community in my area, so Daniel's podcast really helps me feel connected again. It's the ideal mix of creative motivation and solid business advice from a working photographer that's been doing this successfully for quite a while. Daniel's insight, experience, and personality is very much appreciated. Thanks. Well, thank you, Pat. That's very nice of you to say. And again, I always seem to say the same thing whenever I talk about these reviews. Awesome, because that makes me feel good because that's what I'm going for. I like to mix these things up. I don't just want to make this a business show. I don't just want to make it a creative show. I would like to think of it as a philosophical show. The kind of stuff that you talk about when you hang out with your photography friends. We don't just say, I mean, sometimes we talk about specs of cameras. Oh man, just a new camera come out. But a lot of times we're talking about, hey, why are we doing this? What are we doing? What's happening? How can we move forward? And that's what I want to discuss here. So thanks, Pat, for leaving a review. Again, I would love it if you guys could leave a review. If some, if you already left a review, because you can only really leave one on each podcatcher, share the podcast with a friend. I would love to get more people listening to the podcast. So as I say, it's great if you can 
rate, review the podcast, share it with friends. And if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can join my Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. Again, also in the show notes is a link to my email where you can send me a message about the podcast and I will read it. Again, you could attach a voice message. I'll play that as well. In any case, I'll talk to you soon.